Hi everybody, it's Cheryl. And in this mini episode, Sarah and I ask ourselves a question we pose to a past guest. What would we be doing if we weren't a social worker or attorney? We came up with a few alternate professions, circled back to the Asian immigrant sacrifice narrative, chatted about semi-famous creatives we know, while adding to our list of growing Filipino celebrities. It was a bit of a free-flowing conversation and one that made us think about pursuing our old dreams now, or one day, maybe. Thanks for joining us. You are listening to an Oakland Asian Mom mini-episode. Hi everyone, it's Sarah and Cheryl back with another mini episode. It's been a while since it's just been the two of us, Cheryl. Mm-hmm. Um, Lots of so we did have a, yeah. Well, one of our exciting updates is that the actual, real Filipino instant pot cookbook is almost available at the Oakland Public Library. Um, I, I took a look the other day and I think it was still in process. So it should be available for people to check out very soon. Um, so if you are a member of the Oakland Public Library, be sure to check out the Filipino Instant Pot Cookbook with Jeannie Celestial as one of the authors. So we wanted to talk a little bit about what we might have done as a career if we hadn't gone down the paths that we have gone down on. So Cheryl is a social worker by training and I am an attorney. Cheryl, have you thought a little bit about this question? What what would you have done? Yeah. Well, this was a question we asked Jane, one of our guests. Um, and I think when I was writing the question, I was like, this is kind of a cool question to ask because I think now that I'm entering my mid forties, I kind of think about it. Right. Like, mm-hmm. um, and yes, yeah, so I, I graduated, I've been doing social work therapy and program administration for the past, gosh, I would say 15 years or plus. Um, and I think when I first started out, I really didn't like when it was a, as an undergrad, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I think I had the whole mindset of like, oh, I want to be pre-med and major in a non-science and try to get in that way. And then I realized it's not for me. Um, and so I kind of had just kind of stumbled on, um, working in government, working for nonprofits and eventually getting my social work degree. Cause I felt like it kind of reflected or encompassed, um, all the different elements I appreciate and wanted to pursue as a vocation, right. Social justice, mm-hmm. doing clinical work, but if I could do it all over again, I think I, I have these like dreams of like of of being either a writer but like really fluff pieces like <laughs> like rom-com or no no like um and nothing really super heavy like investigative reporting even though I'm like oh that would be so cool um like human interest for a mm-hmm. little magazine I think that's mm-hmm. what I think I'd really enjoy yeah when we talked about uh you know question it actually like got pretty deep for me as I was thinking about it so 
Similar to you, uh, all my full-time jobs have been in the nonprofit or government sector. And I think that stemmed out of like an early belief um, that was sort of utilitarian. Like I felt like I wanted to help people in mm-hmm. um, the in a way that I was best positioned to do so. So I ended up becoming a public defender and that work was really excruciatingly hard mm-hmm. and was really a grind. I mean, there were moments of joy. I really liked all my clients, but overall it wasn't a good fit for who I am. And I left that office about five years ago. And ever since then, I think I've been allowing myself to think about what are things that bring me joy. And when I was younger, that felt like a sort of frivolous question. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I thought like, no, you have to be in medicine, social work, law, uh, maybe an engineer, but only to like build wells for people (laughs) or, you know, just sort of like it had to have some sort of direct impact right? That's how I felt about work. Mm -hmm. And as I get older, my thinking has shifted. And I'm thinking a lot more about what also what is helpful to people, but what also brings me joy, and allowing myself space to explore that. So if I had to do it all over again, I mean, I don't know if I would have taken a different path, because I think that was part of who I was. And I, I honor my younger self. But I look at the careers of women of color who are making uh, like who are writing or producing or creating their own shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it looks really enticing to me. So I think I would have wanted to be in that space of, of being a writer for television or film. And there are people who I know who are doing that. I have a classmate that's the co-creator of Hentified on Netflix. And I, I believe oh, yeah. she's also, she's working on the uh, Hot Flaming Cheetos movie with Eva Longoria. Oh wow. Per yeah. Facebook. Yeah, there's a, a movie that there that's coming out about the the man who created the idea for flaming hot Cheetos. But <laughs> <laughs> so that'll be a hit with my yeah, kids. So <laughs> In the I, neighborhood, especially. Well, there's some controversy around it apparently. So the, the story is that there was a man working for Frito Lay, the company that makes flaming hot Cheetos, and he was a I think in maintenance or cleaning. And that he pitched this idea to make Flaming Hot Cheetos. And then there are some articles that say like, no, it didn't happen that way. So who knows? The truth is probably somewhere in between. But Um, that... And and who invented um, Takis? Do you know what Takis are? I do know what Takis are. I don't know. I feel like I never knew of Takis. Um, It's sort of like maybe our kids' generation or even um, old, a little bit older. That's their version of like... Flaming hot, flaming hot Cheetos. Cheetos. Like everybody, like my kids, like can I have Takis? Like everybody has it at schools. I'm like, I don't even know what that is. (laughs) I've never tried them. (laughs) Yeah, I see them everywhere, but I've never tried them. I just assumed that they they were similar to flaming hot Cheetos. Yes. Yes. If any of our listeners is a Takis fan and wants to prove us wrong, so anyway, okay. So your friend is doing that, and you're um, are you were you guys close? Like, do you... No, she's a, she's an acquaintance of mine. We were okay, classmates okay. and we, we took some classes together. But th- th- I think that was something she was interested yeah. in at the time and she pursued it. And I don't think it was an easy path for her. And I'm a lot mm-hmm. more risk averse. 
but I see that she did it and I'm very proud of her. And I think I uh, wish that I could have had a similar trajectory Mm-hmm. in, in some ways. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, my parents uh, are both uh, in finance. They're both accountants by training. And so I grew up with them saying, you should be an accountant because you'll always have a job, which is true, you know, and, um, you know, I work for county government and I would say, if you go to the finance floor, there's a lot of Asians and a lot of Filipinos. And it's, it's good, honorable work for sure. I didn't really get exposed to like actual profession. And my parents are very practical or pragmatic in that way, a little bit risk averse too. That's why they worked for the government because it was like steady and stable. So I always wonder like, oh, am I creating an environment for my kids so they could dream a little bit bigger just because we know these types of professions actually exist um or will remember we were texting this past week and you were texting about that um part filipina woman who is a snowboarder was snowboarder Right, Haley something. yes and i go oh i looked her up and i'm like oh it's because her dad is, is like a, a champion in that sport Right. And I texted you Oh, back. really? It's like something like that. Like, you know, they have the genes to and the support to pursue their sports professional and being like the best. And I go, what do I have to offer my kids? Except they're going to either work for Kaiser because like my, <laughs> my husband's family, who is mostly in health professions, you know, doc physicians, nurses. And then, or they're going to end up working for the government because me, my brother, uh, my mom, my dad are all work for the government. So I'm like, that's what I have to pass on to you, little boys. Um, maybe you will go that way, but maybe you will not. But um, I, I sometimes, but that doesn't mean that you're, it, you know, like Kevin Durant's mom isn't like. like an MBA or I don't think his dad was an MBA star, you know? So that, so there is still hope for my children to break out of the mold of actually it's a Filipino mold of being either a nurse physician or work in finance, you know? Yeah, you know, there's also the flip side, right? Like I, my dad pursued a lot of his dreams and they were that financially stable. Oh, like what? So being an architect is probably, I want to say it's, it's not stable because when the economy tanks, people stop building. So it's very sensitive to the economy and it requires a lot of skill, but doesn't pay very well. And my dad was previously an engineer in Korea and this is his second career because it, it was his dream. So I, I feel like for me, I've seen like you can pursue a dream and it could work out in some ways, but it could cause a strain in another part of your life. Right. So I wonder Yeah. if out of that experience, I tried to balance both with pursuing, you know, work as a government attorney, but doing social Mm-hmm. justice work. So I wasn't Mm-hmm. making like a non salary 
Um, I wasn't making a lot of money working in corporate law, but that's not what I wanted to do anyway. So, so this was sort of a compromise, I think, for me in yeah. some ways. But now, um, yeah, I'm sort of tapping into, well, what is it that brings me joy? And it doesn't have to be that I get paid for that, right? But if there is yeah. a way to introduce that into my working life a little bit more, like people we know that went back to get their MSW mm, or MFT. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they all did it in their 40s. But after... what if you want to be like a Netflix comedy writer? <laughs> yeah, there's. Can there's you do no that? Else. You have you have like how many more years, Sarah? To, to I don't have that? a lot of good years left for that. That's <laughs> a young person's. Well, that's the other thing. I think the stage of life I'm I'm at. I'm married and I have two young kids. Like that kind of, you know, that path is. I assume it's for the young and more uninhibited. Yeah, like if I really want to go get breakthrough break into journalism, like, how am I going to do that? It's going <laughs> to, I want to work for like buzzfeed.com. It's like, mm, <laughs> I don't know about that. Like, you want to write articles about social work? I don't, know. I don't even have an Instagram account. It's like, you know, like I read buzzfeed all the time. It's like, Five things all social workers have experienced. Maybe I'll like um, comb through like Gen Xers IG counts and be like, you know, you were 40 or, you know, you know, you grew up in this, you know, uh, if you know these five objects or something. Right. (laughs) Well, you know, I think this podcast is a way for us to pursue a little bit of joy yes. that yeah that is very distinct from what we do in our working lives so that I do appreciate so I do think yeah. I'm trying to find ways to incorporate things that bring me joy um into my non-working life but yeah it's a it's a question of you know how to make that happen or when or if or I don't know it's yeah like it's, how do you do that mm-hmm. with um young children still too well, maybe we can try to find a guest who can speak to career changes in their 40s and 50s. Like a big pivot? Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, it's like, how do we keep it creative in public mm-hmm. sector life, too? Um, yeah. Oh man, but to abandon it all, I feel like Liz really scared. If I'm already risk averse, how do I do right. that? You know? Well, pay off that mortgage and then <laughs> send the kids off to community college and then become a BuzzFeed's. <laughs> <laughs> there are, I mean, it's true. Like when you talked about at, at the top of our conversation, like people, you know, who actually so quote, quote made it. I have like one friend, you know, who pursued his comic writing dream. And I remember him just sketching on the table um, you know, when we were in college and post-college and be like, oh, wow. Uh, but he had a side gig, you know, to support that, right? He was a teacher. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. I have a, an acquaintance in Cal who's also sounds like your friend who write, who, who wrote for like The Simpsons and wrote for like Jane the Virgin and Latina Woman. And I'm like, wow, that's like really big. Yeah. You know? But then yeah. at the same time, I'm like, oh, these are just also ordinary people. With ordinary mm-hmm. lives too, you know? Yeah, it's like the my acquaintance, she's not, she's from like a humble, she has a humble background. She's not from like wealth or anything like that, you know? She's like 
my understanding is from a working class neighborhood and really wanted to do this and made a way for herself. So yeah, I think that makes it even more inspiring. Yeah. Or maybe feel feeling a little bit more attainable. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's like, well, when we become big one day, right? When we <laughs> um, get picked up by the LA Times. <laughs> so funny. I was been listening to Asian Enough, that podcast by the LA Times. That's um, a, have a rotated. Yeah. That's a That's really a good, good one. one. Mm-hmm. And they um, interviewed Dante Bosco. Actually, oh, yeah. did a follow up. And I read Dante, Dante Bosco's autobiography. <laughs> And he writes about how he grew up in Pittsburgh, California, which is just, you know, in the Bay, outskirts of the Bay. He was like, yeah, we got a BART station now. And I'm like, oh, yeah, he really knows the Bay. And he says that when he was under 10, his whole family just decided to go to Hollywood. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. no, quite. They, they were like, you know, break dancers or break crew. They were known for their breaking. And then they got the scholarship to go to this ballet school to get more training and they're like, okay, if you guys really want to make it as in the in this Hollywood industry, we're going to move to LA. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, that is pretty awesome. It's a, it's sort of the not exact opposite, um, but just to take that risk is very inspiring. Yeah. Um, and I feel like my parents already took that risk by leaving their homeland to come here. And so everything that I was working towards was sort sort of a little bit of more like in debt in 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 debt and in gratitude to their quote unquote right. sacrifice to yeah. come here, right? Um, and so of course I had to find a stable and honorable p- profession mm-hmm. for them to be proud of and to make it kind of worth it the effort of the whole American dream, right? You know what's interesting is I I. I have a similar perspective and I think I don't remember where I read this, but someone was saying that, you know, yes, our parents sacrificed for us to come to this country, but they also did it for themselves. You know, like yes. it's not yes. like, yeah. Oh, the singular reason was they were thinking of these children and yes. they wanted a better life and they gave up X, Y, and Z for that, right? It was that they also had their own dreams mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it it all fit together, right? They had a, their own dreams and then a byproduct of that is that they hoped that they could yeah, provide mm-hmm. a, a better life for their children as well. So it was kind of interesting to think of it that way because I think the sacrifice narrative has been the most prominent one in my mind. But mm-hmm. yeah, actually, the truth is my dad wanted to become an architect. Like, you know, so, yeah, yeah. So, you know, like, do I owe him something? I don't know. You know, like he did what he wanted to do. Like I, I didn't ask to come here. Right. So exactly. Um, so it's just it's interesting to think like, yeah, they yeah, they it's a little bit more layered. Right. Um, I do remember what I wanted to bring up when you brought up Haley, the snowboarder. I wanted to bring up Olivia Rodrigo, the pop star who's Filipino. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I had, I had heard of her because she's so popular. Um, She's quite young too. Right. Yeah. She's like um, in high school musical. Right. I think that's where she started. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she's like a songwriter too. Right. I don't, like does she write her own songs? Everything. Yeah, uh-huh. I think so. She does. That, that, a surprise Filipino to add to our 
to add to, in our series? Well, it's not surprising that we talk about Filipino entertainers because that is sort of also very tied to our culture and dreams, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I to go back to your thing of, of when you when you realize, oh yeah, your you know our parents had their own dreams for themselves, which is totally true. And it was only until I was probably like nineteen years old when I was feeling guilt about taking these low paying jobs, working in the community. And my mom was like shocked of how much I was making. She'd be like, you're a Berkeley grad. Why are you making that? Is that a part-time job? You know, I would get, I would tell her my, my income and she'd be like, is that part-time? I said, no mom, it's, it's full-time. And then my therapist I was saying would be like, well, would you, could you consider that your parents came here for themselves? And my God, it's true. This whole narrative, is it like, do all these Asian parents, not just Asian parents, get together and realize this is what we're going to tell our kids? <laughs> uh, you know, like it's sort of like so ingrained, um, particularly in Asian American culture, right? Uh, yeah. And if you come from, you know, my, my dad's side of the family was uh, very poor. So, you know, it was really sort of the only way out. Mm-hmm. So that whole push and pull thing, like he came mm-hmm. here with dreams from his own. Um, and he got also pushed here because I don't think he saw a way to make it in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, clearly he was thinking of the future generations, right? Yes. But yeah. he was also thinking about himself and it's, yes. you know, yeah, it's just like, it, yeah, it, it adds food for thought. Yeah. So what are we going to tell our kids, Sarah? The funny thing is, I think that my kids are going to want to make a lot of money. (laughs) I just think that's going to be their rebellion is like, I'm going to go to the big tech and make a lot of money. I know. Um, I think, oh, I'm like, oh my gosh, my kids are going to be like hedge fund account managers. I know. It's like, it's the ultimate rebellion, right? I'll enjoy the perks of it. But I, I think when parents try to control that narrative too much, it really backfires. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I, but I do think it will be hard if I see my child going down a path that feels risky. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe that is what we'll have to learn how to take a step back a bit and let's figure some things out. Yeah. Like um, if they decide I don't really want to go to college. Yeah, no, no, that's no. not. No, that that's going too far. <laughs> You have to remember, I'm an immigrant too. I was born in Korea, so no. Maybe <laughs> so my, my grandkids. Yeah, maybe my grandkids, but not my children. <laughs> I had this conversation with my husband, who's an educator, and he's like, I, I, I'm a, "I'll be I'll be open to that conversation." And I like glared at him with like my eyes. I go, "What?" Um, so even I feel like that brings some heat into my you know of like if my kids decide um make this informed decision I don't know how important it's like okay I really like intention I'm not going to go to college you know there's a lot of reasons people don't go to college because yeah I can't afford it gotta work for the family I totally I totally but somehow I feel like oh my kids have experienced so much um much more I guess than I did um in terms of like recreation and extra stuff, extra stuff that like, well, if they don't want to go to college. How am I going to handle that? Um, yeah. If it was, 
if if one of my children was not academically inclined and like wanted to become a like a electrician or a woodworker mm-hmm. or something pursue like something. that like, yeah like pursue something oh gosh yeah because a lot of um creatives in the in like hollywood it's not like we don't talk about which college they went to right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah well okay maybe i'll be more open to it but right now <laughs> i'm like you i'm like ooh no, no college <laughs> i have a feeling your your husband will be a little bit more like my husband being like okay we can talk about this yeah without I feeling so. i think so technically because i also immigrated could i use the but i've sacrificed so much yes, yeah <laughs> at two years old i had to leave the only place i knew since birth so that you can come here i <laughs> <laughs> oh so funny yeah I don't know it's 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 rough um you know it could be that college is less relevant than it was when we were growing up too mm-hmm. you know like there's yeah. just maybe there will be more pathways you know for my family like education in Korea is really seen as one of the only paths out of poverty so I think that thinking probably still permeates mm-hmm. what we view as like a, a secure pathway. So yeah, yeah, but yeah, maybe in episode five thousand and sixty-two, when our children are <laughs> getting ready to leave the house, we can discuss they are going to college. Yeah, and they and and my kid. Um wants to be on a show so maybe this is a good segue into getting them on the show and asking them what they want to be when they grow up yeah that will be fun yeah so, i could see your yeah. daughter be like i <laughs> i i know what she, i think i know what she will say but what i don't want to spoil i don't want to spoil it so, oh really so you know okay yeah. okay yeah yeah uh, unless it's changed it, it does have a tendency to change a lot does she need a college degree to pursue that Yes, she does. <laughs> she needs multiple degrees. I think. Day. Okay, I can't wait to have her on the show. So we'll see. So anyway, it was nice uh, talking to you about, yeah, what what could have been. Um, so maybe next time. And what still can, can be. Yeah, right? it's still, what, so maybe on a future episode, you can run a, a listicle that you would submit to BuzzFeed on social workers. And, Maybe I picked I'll... the wrong um, the wrong media website. Maybe I should do like box.com. It's a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. one day, one day, maybe. One day. All right. So thanks for listening, everyone. Take care and don't forget to call your mom. <laughs>